This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, November 10th, 2023. I'm Jake Neer with Automotive News in Detroit, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, President Biden wants a UAW-style labor deal for all U.S. auto workers. Honda workers in the U.S. will get a raise in the wake of UAW gains with the D3, and a long-troubled GM and Rivian supplier files for bankruptcy. Plus, we'll talk about how dealerships are trying to better arm themselves against cyber criminals. I consider it to be among the most serious of business risks because it's become just so easy for a business to get attacked and be severely penalized for it through ransomware, through downtime. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. President Joe Biden said on Thursday he wants all U.S. auto workers to get labor deals like the tentative one the UAW reached with the Detroit three automakers after a more than six week strike. Biden spoke to UAW workers in Illinois near Stellantis's Belvedere assembly plant, which would reopen with new product under the union's tentative agreement with the automaker. I'm a little selfish. I want this type of contract for all auto workers. And I have a feeling UAW has a plan for that. Biden's comments could ramp up tension between himself and Tesla CEO Elon Musk as the UAW seeks to organize Tesla workers. Earlier this month, Toyota announced plans to increase the highest wage for most assembly line workers by more than 9% starting in January. Biden said in Illinois that Toyota had no choice but to raise wages for U.S. hourly workers because of the UAW deal. Toyota isn't the only non-union automaker raising wages in the aftermath of the UAW Detroit 3 talks. Honda said today that it will hike the pay of some U.S. employees by 11%. A Honda spokesman confirmed the pay raise, as well as shortened progression time for production associates at Honda's U.S. operations. He said since 2021, Honda has added more than 10 new benefits, including childcare reimbursement and a student loan repayment program. An automotive plastic supplier is filing for bankruptcy after months of financial distress. Unique Fabricating N.A. filed a petition for voluntary Chapter 7 protection in the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the District of Delaware on Wednesday. The suburban Detroit company makes plastic, rubber, and foam components for customers including Stellantis, General Motors, Yangfeng Automotive Interior Systems, Rivian, and Bosch. According to a bankruptcy document, it has up to $50 million in estimated liabilities and between $10 million and $50 million in assets. In May, GM, Stellantis, and Yan Feng agreed to bail out the insolvent supplier with price increases and an investment of up to $15 million to tide over the company. 
It's not clear whether the UAW strike and resulting disruptions in production played a role in preventing the company from regaining its footing. And Goldman Sachs is planning to scrap its co-branded credit cards with General Motors. That's according to a person familiar with the matter who spoke with Reuters. Last month, Goldman beat estimates for third quarter profit, but said its foray into consumer banking was weighing on its earnings. A GM spokesperson said cardholders can continue to use the cards and earn rewards. The spokesperson says GM is looking for new partners. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, we'll hear about a new weapon to fight against cybercrime. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is, is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for a trade appraisal missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves, from appointment scheduling through final confirmation in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lean, GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Neer with Kellen Walker. Cyber attacks are a growing problem for automotive dealerships, which can be lucrative targets for criminals. Reynolds and Reynolds and Proton Dealership IT recently moved into a new state-of-the-art security operations center that will help track and prevent cyber crimes at dealerships. Nikhil Kalani is Chief Information Security Officer at Reynolds. He spoke with Automotive News Senior Editor Dan Shine about how the center improves its cybersecurity efforts. Nikhil, thanks so much for joining me on this FNI Friday edition of Daily Drive. Thank you for having me, Dan. So down in Dayton, that put, the, put America on wings, Dayton, Ohio, uh, you have a new uh, security operations center that you just kind of opened that kind of really ups the game for cybersecurity, dealership cybersecurity. Tell me a little bit about the facility and how it helps Reynolds and Proton Dealership IT 
kind of fight that fight against uh, cybercrime? So it's a major upgrade, Dan. What we do here is we have common visibility of cyber attacks for all our staff. If there's ever a problem, everybody's at the same place. They can see the problem together. They can troubleshoot effortlessly. It's just smooth collaboration. And during an incident, that really matters. If things go south, that quick collaboration, ease of information sharing, common visibility of the problem, it makes all the difference because time is of the essence. During less intense moments, uh, when things are much calmer, then monitoring is easier for the team, and then they can focus on other projects, more engineering-focused improvements. So in both times, it's a win for our dealers. Tell me, can give me a sense if, if I'm in the room there inside this center, remind me kind of something like a Battlestar Galactic or some kind of really high-tech kind of uh, operation. What's kind of going on in day-to-day? How are you monitoring different dealerships? How, how does that kind of work when you're being able to kind of assess things and maybe see something that looks amiss? How does, how does that all work? Sure. So there's three key feeds that we look at. One is what's happening in the world from the bad guy's activity. Right? So the kinds of threats present at this time, the vulnerabilities, what are they doing, where are they attacking? That's one kind of feed. It's called threat intelligence. The other major class of feed is what are our tools telling us from the dealerships? So they're all the tools, phone home, and they give us information about what's happening on the PCs, what's happening in email, et cetera. So we look at that. And the third piece is how are we doing as an operations team? What are our service levels so that we can ensure we are giving the dealers what we've promised them? So looking at those feeds together, we're able to quickly pick up on problems and then react to it right away. Okay, interesting. How big a threat is cyber crimes to dealerships? It's a major threat. I consider it to be among the most serious of business risks because it's become just so easy for a business to get attacked and be severely penalized for it through ransomware, through downtime. So the way it works is the criminals, it's organized crime. It's not just some guy in a hoodie. These are I'm air quoting this from criminal companies who've organized these attackers. They're sending out hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of phishing emails. So think of it like uh, if you actually go fishing in the real terms, right, in the ocean, a vast net is cast out. And then in the case of electronic terms, if somebody clicks the email, opens the attachment, they get ensnared by the trap. And so that click results in a phone home to the bad guy's network. And now they're a target. So they're simply a target by existing on the internet. That's the most common way dealers are attacked. And why are dealerships such inviting targets? Is it like as opposed to like a bank or a financial institution? Just because maybe the security is a little more not as up to speed as as others? Or why, why dealerships seem to be targets? Historically, dealers haven't paid as much attention to security as a typical financial institution would. So they've got a lot of catching up to do. They generally are overworked, short-staffed. So these are the common challenges that dealers face. It makes it much easier to ransom them if they don't have the right protection. And I know we've written a, a lot in the last year or so about the FTC and the safeguards rule and, and, you know, a lot of, you know, everybody has to get ready for this. Has that helped at all? It's just, and, or it just kind of seems like it's almost like a little bit of game of whack-a-mole that, 
that you're always kind of like you tamp down one threat and there's another one that's popped up over here. Has Safeguards Rule, has that really helped yet for dealerships? I believe that having a compliance framework like the things that Safeguards Rule laid out is what needs to be done. Those are helpful for businesses who don't know where to start. How should they secure a network if they don't know? Having that framework really helps them take some steps. Uh, but in general, the focus should not be compliance. We've seen a lot of dealers who are very compliance motivated, but that's the wrong thinking, in my opinion. They should really focus on true security. The intent of the rule is to protect consumer information. So we want to protect consumers. We want to, we want to protect the dealers themselves from the financial costs of a breach. So thinking in terms of security, not compliance, I think is a key mindset that dealers need to grow into. Many already have, but some still have to make that leap. They still think of compliance and security as the same thing, but they are not the same thing. So, yeah, I saw a wonderful quote from you, and it, you said and there's a big difference between being what it, what it means to be compliant with the rules and being secure. So I know you've kind of touched a little bit. Expound on that a little bit more and just about how these two are not equal. They're significantly different, Dan. So think of, let's talk about cars. You can have a car that's road legal. It meets the minimum requirements. It does not mean it's engineered and maintained for safety and dependability. But those are completely different classes of vehicles. So the same thought process is going to compliance versus security. You can meet the minimums, but it's really security is about quality of implementation. As an example, if you have policies that you've published on your file share, you may say you're compliant, but policies on paper never stop the hacker. It's really about the behavior of the dealership. Uh, think about the antivirus products. You can say you have an antivirus product, but it's really about, is it the right product? Is it modern enough? Is it monitored well? So just having something does not mean you are secure. I can give you several such examples, but that's the basis of it. Great. Okay. So, Nikhil, what can dealerships do? What's one simple thing to start that might help them become more secure? There's one very effective uh, capability, Dan, that dealers can use. Most of these attacks begin in email. So email with a link or an attachment. If these emails were not clicked on or the attachment wasn't open, 95% plus of all attacks would fail before they even begin. So one of the best things dealers can do is to ensure a culture of security, having well-educated staff members. Most dealers, they don't see security awareness training as a big value add. They might trudge through it, but it really makes a, a massive difference. That'd be an area I'd focus on. One, one final question for you too, and it's again, one of these ongoing FTC compliance and regulations and updates, uh, the new rule about uh, filing paperwork for dealerships after data breaches. Tell me a little bit about that and, and how this might also I guess, be helpful for dealerships in the long run? So it certainly ups the ante, right? The FTC is now up the ante. And the best thing for a dealer here is to just avoid being on that list. Rather than being on the self-reporting list, avoid the attack through real security practices. Uh, and when they do that, uh, that will be good for dealers in the long term. Great stuff. Nikhil, a real interesting, a great topic. Uh, so I think we could talk for another 20 minutes easily, but I'll leave it there. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Dan. Nikhil Kalani is Chief Information Security Officer at Reynolds & Reynolds. He spoke with our own Dan Shine. 
That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Neer, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Kurt Nagel from our sibling publication, Crane's Detroit Business, for his reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on dealership F&I, UAW contracts, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 